is Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. This episode, my colleague Sunny Murray joins me as co-host as we dive into weed management in winter wheat with our guest, Mike Cobra. We will explore why weed control in winter wheat is important, how understanding which weeds are present in your field affects application timing, and play a quick fire round of kill that weed, matching effective products to common problem weeds in the province. My guest today is Mike Cobra. Mike has been the weed specialist in field crops for the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs since 2002, where his work focuses on providing tools and resources to help Ontario producers manage weeds. In addition to his role with AMAFRA, Mike also has adjunct faculty status in the Department of Plant Agriculture at the University of Guelph. Mike is the author of The Problem Weed Guide for Ontario Crops, Volume 1, published in 2017. He resides on the family farm northwest of Guelph with his wife and daughter. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Just to give you a little background on the uh, situation in Nova Scotia, we probably grow about uh, 10,000 acres of winter wheat in Nova Scotia. A little bit of spring wheat, but it pales in comparison to our uh, winter wheat acres. Uh, most of our winter wheat is primarily used uh, for poultry feed uh, with an increasing amount of uh, of it used in dairy ration and that's just because uh, the uh, dairy guys are growing more and more themselves just for their straw needs. The Maritimes as a whole on PEI they grow uh, quite a bit of spring wheat so that allows us to uh, do some export every year. A lot of the winter wheat is planted in uh, Nova Scotia after vegetables. Uh, After vegetables of course we get full tillage. Uh, There is some uh, winter wheat uh, planted after soybeans but it's always nip and tuck probably in most areas of North America would say the same thing, but uh, here we're really uh, limited on our season and it's always nip and tuck, whether we get that in a good timing after the soybeans come off. There's also some winter wheat planted after whole plant corn silage is harvested. And if you're planting after soybeans or corn silage, a lot of that is going in no-till or with very shallow limited tillage. There's almost always a residual herbicide used in corn uh, we really like our Converge or Prime Extra Callisto. Uh, there's a little bit more and more Acheron being used uh, in that corn. Soybeans, though, is a totally different story. We don't use a lot of residual product in our soybeans. A lot of guys are going uh, to applications of Roundup where there is a little bit of uh, residual product being used. It's either uh, Fierce or uh, Volterra, a pre-emergent. Post-emergent, we like our Chaperone or Classic. Uh, By and large, though, most soybean growers are just sticking with the Roundup, though, which is probably uh, cringeworthy for somebody from Ontario who's uh, dealing with uh, resistant weeds, but uh, that's kind of the system we're in. I don't know how that compares to uh, things in Ontario, but uh, that's kind of our normal system. Yeah, I think the asset that you guys have in your neck of the woods is um, planting after vegetable crops, um, because I I assume, you tell me, like, so our struggle in Ontario is... you know, the same one you have after soybeans, um, you know, the, depending on how the season goes, soybeans can come off on the late side and it is basically the drill is chasing the combine in the field. And so, you know, there's not much opportunity there uh, in between those operations for, for weed control typically. So if you're coming in after vegetables, I assume there's some, some nice opportunities there to at least have some, some field prep and be going, you know, planting into good, good conditions. So that's, that's definitely an asset. 
I mean, one of the strengths about growing winter wheat or even spring cereals for that matter is, you know, the crop itself is, is sown at what, 1.5 million seeds per acre. I don't know where you guys land, but it's usually like in between 1.1 million seeds per acre and, you know, as high as 1.8 million seeds per acre. So the, the crop itself can tolerate high density environments. And so because of that, it's, it's not as affected by weed competition as corn and soybeans are, um, at least in Ontario. Like in winter wheat, uh, uh, Peter Sikkim and I, I don't know, 15 years ago, ran some trials in terms of yield impact, and it's, it's usually around 5%, right? So the positive on that from a, from a farmer's perspective is if, if you, you fail on your weed management plan in winter wheat, more often than not, it's not gonna have huge financial consequences. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other great reasons for, for controlling weeds and, and winter weed, and I'm happy to get into all those. But yeah, like I would say in Ontario, traditionally it was, it was the drill goes in right after the combine, no weed management was done in the fall, and it was 100% done in the spring. I would say in the last like five years, that's kind of evolved to now a subset of growers, and I couldn't give you a percentage, but some are, are going in with a, you know, a pre-plant or pre-emerge application of, say, glyphosate and Aragon, um, mainly just to, to clean up the dandelions and, and allow you to, to get, you know, a, a good seed bed to plant into, right? So that you don't have a whole bunch of big, big dandelions obstructing, you know, the, the stand uh, establishment. Uh, and then I'd say in the last two or three years, there's a little bit more interest in, in fall, like post-emergent fall applications, but that's a pretty small window. And depending where you are in the province, you know, once you get the sprayer winterized, you're not too motivated to bring it back out again. So I would hazard to guess it's well less than 5% of the acreage that get a fall application, but I, I could be wrong. It's, it's primarily done in the spring. Yeah, that's, that's pretty rare here to do a post-emergent. I kind of encourage people to do a, a, a pre-plant or pre-emergent herbicide if they know they have bad weeds. Uh, if the field is uh, good enough to plant, it's good enough to get the sprayer across. So it's a good time to get it done in some, some cases. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the general rule that I'd have for cereals is like, Corn and soybeans uh, uh, competition is, is driven by, and yield loss is driven by the time of weeds relative to the crops and then the density. It's pretty straightforward. So if you have a whole bunch of weeds emerging before the crop or with the crop, that's, that's not good. And then there's like a duration of time after emergence that it's critical to control weeds in corn and soybeans. Cereals are a bit, bit different um, in that they think the most critical time to control weeds from a yield perspective is is before and shortly after emergence and so you know to me the priority in the seed bread preparation is just getting rid of perennial weeds so that you can plant you know if you're no-till planting as an example that you don't have uh, you know plant material that is impeding uh, the seed from getting into the soil in the first place or creating a barrier from it coming out of the ground and then really like in terms of yield impact from weeds that come up after the, the winter wheat crop, I think that depends more on 
the type of growth pattern and, and plus density. So I guess what I'm I'm saying with that is I'll give you some I'll give some kind of concrete examples to get your head around. Uh, so if you had something like a Speedwell coming up in late fall, my guess is that won't have as much impact because it's low growing, even if there's a lot of it, as as a, compared to something like an, an annual or a rough stock bluegrass or cheatgrass that uh, similar growth pattern to wheat, lots of it comes up in the fall. Like that, mm -hmm. that could have greater uh, yield impact. Yeah, so it is very much kind of a case by case scenario, but like, you know, if we don't remember anything else today, kind of the most critical po point is at, you know, what's the field look like at planting? And even if you can keep it um, clean for, you know, up into the two leaf, you've probably done all you need to do from a yield perspective, but, you know, there's plenty of benefits to doing post applications for, you know, straw quality and seed return and, and all those other good things. Like I've kind of, even though like intellectually, I know that there's not a yield impact uh, sometimes from controlling weeds, I've kind of always regretted not doing it uh, in those years where, I don't know, the spring's horrible, it's wet, it's windy, uh, you've missed a couple of windows. Now the wheat's getting closer to flag leaf and heading and you go, ah, you can kind of, you know, convince yourself that, ah, it doesn't cause yield loss, forget it. And then like, a, a, you know, four weeks later, you're kind of embarrassed about how the field looks and, and uh, yeah, there's problems around harvest time. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of where we have a bit of an advantage because we have so many people going from vegetables to winter wheat and, and they have that extra time and, and that extra tillage that's gonna help yeah, I mean, that's an asset. And then also like after corn silage, I know my colleague, my old colleague, uh, Peter Johnson, not a fan of growing winter wheat after corn silage from a fusarium perspective, but, but you know, there's lots of people that do it here and there's a nice window there too. You can plant it early. There's time to, to do some weed control. You know, sometimes we get a nice spring where we can get on the ground and, and decent time. You know, the challenge with winter wheat is it'll continue to grow regardless of what the field conditions are like. So if you get a nice dry spring, you can manage things fairly timely. If you at all get a, a wet spring, the wheat's still growing and you're still waiting to, for the, the field to be fit and then you're pushed late. Yeah, so sometimes we get out there in good timing, get it all done. Other times you're pushing flag leaf by the time you can even travel on the field. But for those fall residual type products, uh, we've had Aragon come on the market. We've had Focus Now. How, how does a farmer choose between those type of pre-plant or pre-emergent residual product? Yeah, that's a fair comment, a fair question to ask. You know, on the Aragon front, um, I think it provides some residual control, although I, I sometimes think that's oversold. Um, I assume like you're largely using probably the 60 milliliter per acre rate. And, and I would say it provides decent residual control if, if you get later flushes later into this, the fall and maybe early on in the spring. But like, so the reason I, I am probably hesitant to say it has tremendous residual activity is like, We've been we've done some work on Canada fleabane. You know, we looked at fall versus spring applications, and and we, you know, where we applied Aragon at at rates that you would use on wheat in the fall, we still had a, a spring flush of fleabane in those those areas. So I'm not, 
you know, it has some residual activity. I don't think it has enough to prevent you from prevent the possibility of applying again in the spring. So I guess where I'd, I'd use, you know, Aragon in the fall is, is in those fields where you maybe want quick burn down so that of, of vegetation so that the wheat can come up in a, in a good mm -hmm. environment. And then if you like those environments with a lot of chickweed, I mean, a little bit of residual activity in the fall is not a bad strategy to whittle away at that because you're going to have to go in there multiple times anyway for chickweed. So with focus, does it last into the spring, that residual control or early spring or? Yep. Yeah. So it, it's um, sure. So like if we were to use that herbicide and say soybeans or corn, I think you can typically expect on, you know, some kind of six weeks to eight weeks of residual control. And so, you know, if it freezes early in the fall, like kind of the clock stops there and then it starts over again in the spring when things warm up. So yeah, you would, I, of, the, of those two products, I, I would imagine that you'd see more residual control, but keeping in mind that like, that's largely a, a herb, focus is largely a herbicide that provides residual grass control. It's not gonna give you a lot of activity on, on many broadleaf weeds which we typically, like, again, it, it's a very specialized product in winter wheat because you tend to not see annual grassy weeds in winter wheat. It's not a great environment for them to, to germinate in because of the ground cover created the previous fall. So the focus is really there again for bluegrass and so some of those like fall emerging uh, grasses. Like again, we talked about fall applications and how they're not used sparingly, but where they, they, why I think there's some shifting there is you can start to maybe use herbicides that you normally couldn't get away with red clover and, and, and try them out. So like, for example, like I know Bayer has done work with infinity in the fall um, and then frost seeding red clover and, and that can work as opposed to frost eating red clover and then spraying that crop with infinity would pretty much smoke your red clover, right? So yeah, because you're, you know, eventually that resi any residual activity in the herbicide is slowly dissipating and, and frost eating might, might get you to have a good stand. It's because you, it, it's feast or famine on the establishment, right? You either get a great stand of red clover and and it's somewhat a problem at harvest time or more often than not, you don't get a great stand or it's a very patchy stand. And, and then of course, you know, if you get a great stand and you have like problem weeds, uh, I think farmers understandably find it tough. Like they have to make a decision what's more important, the red clover, keeping the red clover or, or killing the weeds. Then really there is only one safe registered herbicide to use if you have red clover underseeded in winter wheat and that's buckdrill lamb. But I would say like, if you have a great standard red clover, it can, you know, it's more likely to tolerate some of those riskier herbicides. So there can be some experimentation there for the kind of the innovative farmers that wanna, that are willing to risk, uh, risk it. So we talked a bit about fall applied, kind of switching to this, spring lens, what development stage do we want to get that spring herbicide on and wrapped up by? Like, what's our cutoff? Yeah, I mean, the, the typical extension answer, as you guys well know, is it depends. In Ontario, 
there's mainly three herbicide programs that are used extensively. So I'll just get that out on, on the table and then we can talk about those. And it's, it's um, the three are Pixero uh, and Infinity or Infinity FX and then Buctrolam. If you're someone that traditionally has used 2,4-D as an example for, for weed control and wheat, there you want to be very careful about going too early um, because if you apply that product too early and by too early I mean prior to tillering you kind of want it at that first node stage before you apply 240 ester or amine is is that you can get head distortion when that product's applied too early so that's the one example of a herbicide that you can apply too early otherwise I don't think you can apply too early the too late side, like, so uh, broad consensus is that most herbicides, uh, you're out of the game by the uh, emergence of flag leaf or full flag leaf stage. You know, mm -hmm. that's a physiologically sensitive uh, stage. It sets up yield. It's very close to a, a critical reproductive phase. We don't want to stress or injure a crop when it's at that stage. So if you can avoid that all at all costs, you do so. I will say though that like uh, Dr. Francois Tardif, myself and a former graduate student, uh, Melody Robinson kind of looked at, at that, like, you know, the common wheat herbicides, if you sprayed them on the early side or kind of like in the, the normal window, quote unquote, and then, and then flag leaf, like did that affect, did that negatively affect yield? Did it increase the risk of crop injury? And what we found is, is it actually didn't. Um, that's not a green light for people to ignore the label. Um, I think, again, you treat things on it. How you use that information, I would say, would be on a case-by-case -case scenario. If, you had, if you're someone that's pretty fussy about weed control and you see the odd little weed around flag leaf stage and you'd really, you, know, you really want to clean that up, I would not, right? Um, but if if the, you got a flush of crap coming that you know is going to be a problem at harvest time, and it's going to be a mess, and you haven't had an opportunity to get onto that point, I think maybe then you you could roll the dice there. Of course, from a weed control perspective, now everything's bigger. You're you're probably not going to get the same. Well, you're not going to get the same level of weed control that you would have get. So so typically for us. Uh, guys, it's kind of that first node stem elongation stage is usually the, the the window that most herbicides get applied. By the time that uh, the wheat is uh, pushing out a flag leaf, those weeds are getting pretty big. Your uh, yeah. shepherd's purse is uh, stretching out, kicking out a flower by then. Uh, you're, you're just not going to get a good kill on some of those weeds. You're going to twist them up, make them look pretty sick but uh, they just kind of don't go down on you so yeah I, i'd agree with that most guys are around that uh end of tillering the first node get it wrapped up kind of window the other um, thing you want to be careful about with like later applications so pushing that like flag leaf stage is now you're getting into you're possibly getting into overstepping pre-harvest intervals, right? So, and that's important from a, a maximum residue level. Is that if you had like a 60-day pre-harvest, like a fairly lengthy pre-harvest interval and you're applying it late, um, you know, that window between application and harvest is getting small, right? You run into being able to uh, penetrate the canopy that late too. If you get a good stand of wheat, uh, it could yep. be quite, quite a jungle out there. For sure.
Yeah, so going back to that discussion of how late is late, like I don't, kind of where my head's evolved personally is I, I might then be a little bit more aggressive. Like if I'm approaching the maximum labeled stage, I may be more comfortable going up to that line now than I would have been in the past. So as to avoid having to make a decision about pre-harvest herbicides, if that makes any sense, right? Like, like if, yeah. if the flag leagues, flag leaf is starting to emerge and I'm like, oh man, this is getting near the tail end of what this label says I can apply it. I might've been more in the mindset of, ah, oh, we'll just do a pre-harvest application. Now I'm more in the mindset of, well, let's, let's, if we can take that opportunity, let's do it and avoid having to make the decision of about a pre-harvest application. Of course, you got to weigh your uh, weed uh, pressure there as well yeah, at the time, sure. right? So most growers use a kind of a broad spectrum product, something like Boost M or Refine M, Barricade M in most fields, but some growers still have certain weeds coming through. So I'm going to get into a, like a little rapid fire of kill that weed. I'll name a weed and tell me how to kill it. Hit me with them. All right, chickweed. When you say boost M, like I, I would say like, so that's the active ingredient in refine. I know this should be rapid fire and I'm being super slow, but like the group okay. two herbicides, it's boost M, refine uh, SG, refine M, barricade M, like all those products uh, are good on chickweed. Peak is one that maybe you don't use a lot uh, there, but it's it's in the Ontario data is slightly better on chickweed. So it's it's another group two herbicide. It's maybe one you could could try. All right, cleavers. Yeah, so I you know tr trophy was a herbicide that was purposely brought to the Eastern Canada marketplace for cleavers. It's good. I like Pixero as well. Um, you know, Barricade M, Infinity FX. Uh, the app, there's an active ingredient called Fluoroxapir that is good on, on cleavers. And that's what you want to see. Um, so a lot of products now include that. Shepherd's purse. Whatever you want, right? Like <laughs> it's a pretty easy one to kill. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Tons yeah. of things kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Mustards. Tons of things kill it. Great. <laughs> well, let's get a little tougher then. <laughs> sure. Um, scentless chamomile. Yeah. So here's where, where I know, like, I don't know, like I, I like weeds and I, like pe people usually roll their eyes. I'm like, knowing the biology is super important, but here's one where like literally knowing the biology is super important because this is, it's a crazy weed. It can, depending on when it germinates, it can become an annual, a biennial or a perennial. And that's like, that's insane. And so what we found, especially in cereals is we have to hit it twice. We, so going back to our discussion, like some weeds you, you actually have to do in the fall and the spring. Because um, we found that if we only went in the fall, then we killed whatever we had in the fall, but then we had a whole bunch of stuff come up in the spring that was a problem at harvest. And then vice versa, if we waited till the spring, we couldn't kill uh, it very well because it had already come up in the fall and was now quite a bit bigger. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, Barricade M has worked really well for producers here. So that's kind of you know, it's, it's boost M plus fluoroxapir. It's like, it's, you know, again, group two herbicides, but kind of how people have tried to manage that is fall application and then also spring application. You got to get it when it's small, get it when it's yeah. small. That's the like key. it's on herbicide labels and it's, 
I always kind of laugh because it's like apply before the four leaf stage. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a scentless chamomile <laughs> younger than four. Like, I'm sure it, it's like pokeroo. I'm sure it exists, but I can't find it in the field reliably. Um, field pansy or field violet. Yeah. So like the group two, the barricade M, refine, boost M, those are your best products. Mm. Right. Sandwort. Same. I don't have, we don't have a lot of that. Like it's, it's on sands in Ontario. We don't have a lot of it, but very similar to, to chickweed in terms of control options. Uh, bluegrass. Yeah. So here's where we get into differences. So I like when you tell me that like a lot of the producers are using boost at like all those products that you named based on the spectrum of weeds that you just provided that they have it figured out. I mean, there's a, that makes logical sense. The bluegrass is a tricky thing because what we find in Ontario, and I will say like from purely an extension standpoint, there's there's some tools now that help growers out in this, is we're finding kind of two different types of bluegrass and it matters for herbicide selection. So we're seeing um, areas with annual bluegrass and then areas with rough stock bluegrass. And then of course, maybe combinations. We have a molecular lab now in Ontario that can, you know, for 15 or $20 kind of identify them like at a very, like by just taking tissue samples. And that's, that's helpful, especially when, cause you know, otherwise you gotta wait till they're in flower and put them under a microscope. And then it's kind of, you know, past the point. Uh, the point of that story is I recently had a, a conversation with Christy Sprague, who's a, a weed scientist at Michigan State University, who's done a lot of work in bluegrass control and winter wheat. And so if it's rough stock bluegrass, axial is, is the best choice. The caveat there is that this weed typically germinates and emerges in the fall and then grows very quickly in the spring. So you need to be hitting that bluegrass when it's 10 centimeters tall or smaller. And that's typically for them in Michigan, you know, kind of end of April, beginning of May, right? Um, so that's rough stock bluegrass. If you have annual bluegrass, you know, Focus is a herbicide that we talked about, or there's um, an, another product that gives us a bit more flexibility called uh, Simplicity Go Dry. So it's a group two herbicide. It has some activity on the, you know, the speed wells and it has broadleaf and grass activity, but it's, it's something you could use in the fall or the spring. So that's, I know that was a long answer. And I know like sometimes people go, oh my God, you're going to talk about how it's important to ID weeds. But in this case, it's super. So vetch, it's not usually a problem for us in winter wheat, but tends to be a problem in winter rye. Yeah. So there's a, like now they've made it cheaper because I think it was a product typically used in horticulture crops, Lontrell XC. So Clopyrla, the active ingredients, it's lights out on vetch. Usually our problem with vetch control and winter cereals, whether that's rye or winter wheat, is it, it germinates and comes out of the ground late. So we're often like going back to application timing. Probably if we have vetch as our primary target, we're, we're wanting to apply closer to flag leaf. Because if we're too early, there's likely no vetch up and we've just wasted mm -hmm. that pass across the field. Um, Canada flea bean? Yeah, so uh, Dr. Sycama at Ridgetown has done a lot of great work on that. It's, uh, you know, Infinity FX and Pixero. So that gives you some indication as to why those are the top two, you know, herbicide programs in winter wheat in Ontario. Yeah, for sure. Purple dead nettle? 
or Creeping Charlie? Uh, well, Purple Dead Nettle is, uh, is different than Creeping Charlie. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I haven't really done any work in Creeping Charlie. Um, so I, I, I would say, though, that like, uh, based on some work, like the, the Barricade M's, the Boost M's are decent on Creeping Charlie. Here's what I've learned on the Purple Dead Nettle side. I actually like the fall application of Aragon for that weed. I think I think that gives us the best control. I know, like if you look at the U.S. literature, they they give you like Boost M, Refine as options, and they also as Infinity. I have to be honest in side by side trials where I've looked at that. I liked Aragon, Infinity, and Refine were okay, but I would say they suppress the weed. They they don't. Uh, they don't do a great job of control but so there is a species though where it is fall applications or bust because it's at the seedling stage in the fall and by the time you can hit it in the spring it's already flowering and it's it's really tolerant so you're just feeling good about the application but you're not doing anything yeah time leaf speed well time leaf speed well uh, I don't know. We have like four or five different speed wells. Time leaf is probably one of the more uh, tolerant, difficult ones to control. We have a, a more common one called purslane speed well that it'll die pretty much with anything. But uh, timely speed well, I would again go like, I'm going to be redundant. Like your barricade M, boost M, refine. What you guys are already using is the best options. And you know, maybe some of you are saying, well, good Lord, it's, those products don't give me great control. That's a weed that's like, it's flowering usually by the time you try and hit it. So, <laughs> you know, it's going to be tough to kill a weed in flower. Uh, Danny Brome or chest grass. So that seems to be a problem for us in Annapolis County and it's moving into Kings County, a little bit in Hans County. Yep. So is there a way to identify that one at the time of application? Because mostly we don't know that it's a problem until harvest and then you save seed and replant it next year and you're just multiplying your problem. Yeah. So I guess I'm pretty simple on this kind of stuff. Like, uh, so products of choice are simplicity go dry. Like we have, um, we don't have a lot of downy brome. We have chess is a regional problem. And that's specifically why we encourage the registrant to, to bring that product to Eastern Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and you've, uh, you've hit a significant issue, which is like, you kind of have to use that product in the fall, or early spring. And, and usually you don't know you have Chester Downy Brome until it is flowering, which is clearly too late. So I'm kind of crude. I'm like, are there grassy species between rows? And I know I just spent a good five minutes regaling you of the importance of the difference between annual and rough stock bluegrass and why and axials better for rough. So maybe forget all that and say, if you see a grassy species between rows, and you know that's not what you planted, then I, I think, you know, playing the odds game, simplicity go dry is probably going to control that grassy species because it likely is either chess or it's downy brome, or it could be annual bluegrass. And even if it's rough stock bluegrass, it's not like that product won't have any activity. It's just not the best. I have an interesting point. Your wheat should be in rows. Yeah. If it's not in rows, if it's not in rows, maybe you should have a closer look at it. Yeah, we don't have to overthink this, right? Like we don't have to precisely know, even though I've just spent a bunch of time saying it's so important to ID, like we can be a little bit cruder here and just say it's not in a seven and a half inch row. Some of these weeds are getting away on us, but I think you're 
coming down to it. These are the products you have. Maybe we're not hitting it at a uh, vulnerable early enough stage and uh, and they're getting away on us a little bit, like in the case of the time leaf speed well. Right. First time you look at that in the spring, it, it is out in pretty white flower on it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, like as a, as a kind of a person listening on this and trying to absorb this information, go, okay, now how do I apply this? Um, because probably if you have timely speed well and you're hearing, well, barricade or, or boost M is, is a good product to use. Well, I'm already using that. And I think it's not great. I think that's where you go. Well, maybe I need to look at fall applications. Let, let's experiment with that and then rule that out as our next step. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's some things you could do there because we're not hitting the staging well, right? So if you could give uh, one important piece of advice on uh, weed control and winter wheat to growers, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, the, the easy thing to say is like start clean, right? Uh, you, the seed bed is the most important um, principle and, and management and then then like fall scouting because if if those are missed they have the greatest impact on bottom line even if you don't do anything in the fall like it's an important thing from a scouting perspective to see what you're getting yourself into yeah if you're out there in the fall it gives you a chance to get your plan together for the spring um, yeah going out and look at things the first of may to decide what you're going to do things are too perhaps late. out of control out of you by that point Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary of this episode coming up in the next edition of the CropLinks newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform so you don't miss the exciting episodes we have coming down the line. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at msperennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast to Rachel Oxner for working her marketing and editing magic, and to Patty Ryan for the beautiful design work. See you next month when I'll be digging into strip tillage.